Well, good morning. It's good to see uh, all of you here. And as uh, Ryan just said, uh, we're wrapping up the series today and uh, really kind of a two-part uh, message. As he was saying last week, we kind of looked at this idea of accept, uh, that you're accepted. And today is more this idea of now, what does it mean to live out of that acceptance? And when we talk about this, this is a, uh, a principle or an idea uh, that is really speaking to this idea of what it means to uh, walk spiritually, um, uh, what it means to grow spiritually. And, you know, we oftentimes talk about this idea of, you know, okay, become a believer and like all the things associated with that. And now that I'm a believer, what does it mean to walk forward, to become more mature? And so that's really what uh, last week and this week are all about. And it's built out of uh, the book of Galatians. Um, there's a lot of other places within the New Testament that uh, speak to all of this stuff, but for the most part, I'm kind of working out of uh, Galatians for these two messages. Last week looked at Galatians chapter 2 and 3 uh, primarily, and it looked at this idea of grace. And you remember I talked about uh, the book The Cure uh, by John Lynch, and he has this character. It's an allegory where he goes into the room of good intentions, and then he goes into the room of grace. And part of what I hope that you got out of last week is this idea that... Um, with grace, uh, just what comes with it is this idea of acceptance, acceptance. And what you're going to see today is that um, while uh, acceptance is always a part of grace, there's something else that comes out of acceptance that we don't always think of, but gets to be really important and is key to this idea of living out of that acceptance. And it's this, it's freedom. Um, and this is what uh, chapter 4 of Galatians is all about. Um, there's this shift in his language and the emphasis of what he brings. And it's this idea that we have to understand that this new life in Christ, to, to walk it out, to live it out, is one of tremendous freedom. And, of course, he had people uh, in his day, as we would struggle with it here today, that really pushed back on this idea. Because as he walked out this idea of freedom, um, it, it wasn't a, uh, like, a, like a, a casual thing or a slight thing. He is saying, because you're accepted fully, there's this freedom to live out of that um, in amazing ways. But, of course, the pushback is... Um, that sounds a little scary. That sounds a little uh, dangerous, right? You can't just tell people that at a moral level, at a spiritual level, okay, you're in Christ now, and now you're free, right? There's a part of that that kind of sounds like a bad idea. You can just picture people in uh, Paul's day saying, you know, uh, faith and grace, that is terrific. We love the idea, you know, you could be saved in that. Um, <clears throat> But is that really the whole gospel? Isn't there more to what Jesus uh, taught in this thing? Because um, this idea of faith and grace, it, it doesn't tell you how to live. Like, it doesn't give you a moral compass. And we need a moral compass, right? As human beings, we're flawed. We've got this sin nature. We're going to struggle with temptation. Um, <clears throat> the human heart, because it's corrupt, right, it needs boundaries. It needs guidelines. It needs a law to operate kind of like guardrails uh, for your uh, life. And if you take those guardrails off, Paul, right, we'll, we're going to run off the road. We're going to jump the tracks. We'll, it'll be disastrous and bad. What's going to keep us on the right path? 
Um, if they had a motto, right, this group that pushed back and, and so much of Paul's words in the book of Galatians is uh, kind of countering uh, some of these arguments in the day. Um, if they had a, a motto, because, uh, well, let me say this. Part of what they were doing with great intentionality is they were saying, you know what? We can take part of the Mosaic law or code and we can adapt it into kind of a Jesus code, right? We can make those guardrails out of stuff that Jesus did and a little bit out of the Old Testament and we'll come up with something really good. And if they had a motto, their motto might be, you know, salvation is in Jesus, but life is in Moses, right? Jesus saves, uh, Moses will guide you in life. Uh, but Paul's response to all of this is like, no, no, that's, that's not what this is about, right? Uh, Jesus came to save us from sin and the law. And he makes that really clear uh, within uh, chapter 4 of Galatians. But I want to just pause here for a second because uh, we can all get this idea intellectually, right? We can all um, understand what he's saying. But when, when it comes down to like our lives, there's a part of this freedom thing in Christ that if we're really honest, um, I think uh, is a little scary, right? It, it, it doesn't feel real safe. Um, I think about uh, my kids when they were growing up, uh, we went to Disneyland on multiple occasions, and they've got this ride at Disneyland. I, th I think it's called like Autotopia or something like this. And they've got like these kind of uh, kitty go-kart things that you can ride on. And my kids, when they were young, uh, they loved this, right? They loved it um, uh, because <clears throat> I could just say, you know, it's all yours. You take the wheel. You drive that thing. And of course, there was like this rail, I think, like in the middle of the road that that the car uh, straddled, and if the car went too far one way, you know, the rail would just kind of bump it back the right direction. And the kids would be like, hey, I'm driving a car, you know, all one and a half horsepower, you know, you know. And then, you know, if they, if they uh, don't see a vehicle in front of them that stops and they just, you know, full speed at three and a half miles an hour, you know, run into the back of that thing, there's these giant spring-loaded bumpers on both cards, and it's, and it's just like, you know. And... And the kids like it, and it's thrilling, and it's fun for them. And, but, you know, it's, you, you don't feel that sense of, of danger in it because it's safe because of the guardrails. And there's a part of us as human beings, right, uh, to take this metaphor of our spiritual walk. Well, if our spiritual walk were like a spiritual drive, right, there's a part of us that kind of likes life like that because it's kind of safe. Um, but this also reminds me of, um, what happened as my kids got older. My kids got older and they turned 15 and then like 16, right? And suddenly, uh, it's no longer, uh, you know, kitty cars at Disneyland. It's real vehicles, our vehicles on the road where there's no rail in the center of the road and, and, and there's more than one and a half horsepower on most of the vehicles uh, out on the road. And... I still remember with both my kids uh, going down, they got their driver's license and we drove home and I did this with both my kids. <clears throat> when we got home, I told them, I said, okay, um, keep the keys and go on your first solo drive all by yourself, right? This is you go and drive on the road. You, you got your license, now go drive. 
And that felt a whole lot different than turning them loose on the kitty cars in Disneyland, right? And if you're a parent or grandparent and have ever experienced that moment, it's like, because I remember all the times where they didn't see the light turn, where they didn't look over their shoulder, where they didn't check their mirror, where I was the one that was like, hey, hey, right? I was the one that grabbed the steering wheel. Or uh, my kids joked about, uh, yeah, Dad, whenever you were teaching us how to drive, we always knew when we were supposed to be hitting the brake because uh, your leg always went out and it's like you, like, like, you involuntarily were trying to push a brake over on your side of the thing. <clears throat> you know, and I'm like, yes. Um, but now I'm not there. And they're in a, you know, a multi-ton vehicle with a lot of horsepower and they're driving out on real streets with real drivers. And it just, like, you feel the gravity of it. That's the difference. What Paul is saying in chapter 4 is, when we're in Christ, the freedom is real. Um, we, we really are accepted. And, and we shouldn't be living under the law. And yes, it, it, that means that if we mess up, if we do something wrong, we can't use the eternal consequences of that or we can't, we can't use God will be ashamed of me or disappointed in me to somehow curb my behavior in that moment. And it, and it feels a little scary. Think for a moment of maybe somebody you know. Somebody that you'd look at and go, man, um, that kind of freedom would not... I don't think it bode well for them. Like, they would take that kind of freedom if they understood it in that way and the decisions they would make. Like, I, I'd be worried. They'd make relational decisions. They'd have real consequences, right? A crash out on the road with a real car has completely different consequences than a crash in Autotopia in Disneyland. And what Paul is saying is, you're free. No guardrails. Think about the person in your life that has crashed things. And, and part of you just, you would love to put guardrails on their life. You would love to be able to walk them through a long list of things uh, scripturally that would box them in from making bad decisions with real consequences. Have anybody like that in your life? And the truth is, probably if we're really honest, there's a part of us that worries about ourselves a little bit. There's a part of us that would look at it and say, you know, I know the times where I would be capable of doing something I, like, I would not want to do, and yet, man, if the guardrails just came off, would I be okay? And this is the thing Paul is pushing us towards. And so, in one sense, right, it's easy for me to criticize the Judaizers, to criticize the people that um, were saying, you know, man, love Jesus, he saves. But Moses, let's, let's, let's bring in a little Moses to figure out how to protect ourselves. Because I get that. 
Um, the struggle that we face, though, that Paul walks out, and I'm not going to walk through this uh, out of Galatians uh, 4 just uh, for the sake of time, uh, but I want to get to Galatians 5 because he tells us how to move forward in this. But ultimately, here's this struggle that we have uh, as human beings in all of this, and it's this. When we struggle to accept that we're accepted, which means ultimately we don't get to that place of really embracing the freedom we have as followers of Christ, we will tend to live out our Christian lives in one of two ways. Uh, and the classic uh, way this is broken out is, uh, is kind of two categories. One uh, is oftentimes called license, right? And it's this idea um, that, you know, I'm in, I, you know, I get to do whatever I want. And so I'm going to, I'm, you know, who cares? This is like permission to go give in to my sin nature. This is permission uh, to go do whatever I want or what I think I want because, right? Because I'm still in grace, right? And we, we worry about that, right? When your kid drives out of the cul-de-sac and down, you know, the street and you see the taillights disappear, your first thought is, oh, I'm so glad there's speed limits, right? You know? And then you think, have speed limits really kept me from speeding? Oh, yeah, see? The other one, classic side of this, is what's known as law, right? And it's kind of this tension between law uh, and license. And the reality is, sometimes we get caught in this thing where we're trying to, to manage this thing between law and license. And what's interesting is after Paul unpacks this whole idea of freedom, the truth of the freedom that we have in Christ. He enters uh, chapter 5, and this is exactly what he walks through. And so that's, uh, I want to uh, really spend the rest of our time this morning in walking through Galatians uh, chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Galatians uh, chapter 5 as he begins to kind of unpack this thing. And I want to start with verse uh, 13. Uh, and here he addresses this issue of, of what we might call uh, license. And he says this, verse 13, he says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge this in nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you, uh, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, I want to just pause there for a, a second, um, because out of that section right there, he describes four things about moving forward when the struggle in our life uh, is license. When you find yourself just saying, well, you know, I know I'm kind of in God's grace, and I've got, I feel all these pressures, and it just, and I, I find myself running to all the things I shouldn't run toward, right? And so here's what he says, and it's interesting what he does. He starts off this whole section, and, and he makes this declaration, like, in Christ, um, you were created to be free, right? Be, uh, be free, he says, right? And then he does this interesting thing. He, um, he says, and like, and like, here's an aim. Here's the, here's the aim of your life as you seek to move forward, right, in this spiritual walk, in this spiritual drive. That aim uh, is to, to love. In fact, what he describes there is the golden rule. Like, 
here's the thing that's going on uh, that you need to recalibrate or aim at in your life, and that is uh, to love others the way you would want to be loved. And then he gives this kind of warning, right? This warning about, like, and if you give in to the sin nature, like if, like if you miss these things, um, like you're going to create strife and backbiting. And it's this thing, uh, this kind of uh, warning, uh, really about relationship, right? And the harm that can be done uh, with this. And then he ends this section and he comes to this place. And you know, if there was any place that Paul, like if, the, if there's the perfect spot where Paul could say, and I need to add a little law. Let, let, let's, let's, let's pull in a few really key components of wisdom from the Mosaic law. And let me just set these up as new laws or guardrails. It would be right here. He, like right there in the passage. But instead, what does he say? I tell you this, live, live by the Spirit. Or literally in the Greek, it is walk, walk by the Spirit. And those are the four things under license that he gives us, right? Now, uh, let's look for a second and see what he says about law. This is what he says. Uh, look at verse uh, one here. He says this. Um, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, and this was, uh, this was one of those laws that they were trying to follow, this whole thing about circumcision. In fact, they would go back and say, you know what, uh, the Old Testament inspired by God, says circumcision is an everlasting covenant. Everlasting as in forever, right? Like wind, wind and forever just end, right? And so they want to go back to this. And Paul's like, no, we're not under that covenant anymore. And he goes on and he says, um, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And catch it, because that's all, that's works in the law seeking. And he says this, the only thing that counts or the only thing of great value is faith expressing itself through love. Now, here's what I want you to notice about this. So he turns to the people that would struggle with saying, oh my gosh, right? Jesus saves, but Moses will teach us how to live, right? He says this, here's how you need to move forward. First thing he says is, it is for freedom's sake that Christ sets you free. There's a call, and that call is to live as someone who has freedom. It is for freedom's sake, right? And then he, again, uh, he gives this kind of warning, and he says, right, there's this relational, like, you're going to wreck things relationally with you and God. It's this kind of relational thing, and it's really powerful the way he puts it. What does he say? To live this out, you're alienating yourself from who? From Christ, right? The very one that saved you. Like, you're, you're harming that relationship. There's this relational harm between you and God. And what's interesting about this is with the person uh, under law, Right? If there, was, if there was a kind of relationship that we'd point to and say, okay, this is where they, you know, they, they're getting, 
This is where they're going to harm relationships. We'd say it would be with like other people. It'd be maybe people outside the church, you know. You'd see the person struggling with law say, well, you know, okay, maybe I struggle a little bit with loving, you know, the outsider. Maybe I struggle a little bit with uh, loving my brother or sister in Christ. When they get out of line, I know I can get a little judgy. I'll work on that. But when it comes to God, whoa, there is no compromise. I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, right? And yet it's to that group that he's saying, you know, reality check. Actually, living under the law really isn't the relational thing that you think it is. Because you know why? Part of living under the law says, I, I'm going to set up guidelines in my life that will tell me what righteousness and goodness are, how to live. And I can just turn to those guidelines. And the truth is, I don't actually need God a whole lot in my life to do it because I can just turn to the law or the code or the rules to live out my spiritual life and know that I'm doing good or poor, but I'm really not dependent in trust or faith with God. And he says, reality check, creating some harm here. And then he goes on and he says, I love the way he puts this. He says, but here's the way forward. We eagerly, we eagerly await on the, through the Spirit on Christ, right? They're like the, the Spirit in us, right? Which is the Spirit of Jesus, right? In, in us, I can get that S right, in there. That's what moves us forward. We wait on that, not the law. And then he ends this section uh, with this kind of aim that just says, if you have any doubts about how to move forward, let me make it crystal clear. The only thing that matters, the most important thing is faith. Trusting God in you, expressed in what way? Love. Ta the tangible expression of love in your life. Now, here's what I want you to see. His instruction to people struggling with license and law is the same thing. Look at what happens, right? This idea of being free that he starts each section, each section off with is this kind of, of, I'm sorry, this kind of call, right? This is what you're called to. You're called to be free, right? You, uh, it is for freedom's sake. And then he gives us this kind of aim, right? If you have any doubt, if you don't know what to do, if you're like, oh, God, I'm confused in this thing, here's the aim. The aim is love. Love, right? It is, it is an act of faith, trusting God expressed in love. That's what we aim for. Uh, and then, right, they all have this kind of reality check uh, to them, right? And it's this relational kind of reality check. Um, it's that, you know what? Um, as you live out license or law, you're, right, all the fear you would have about living in freedom and the disaster that could create, reality check. There's something else that's getting damaged in license and law, and it's relationship. It's relationship with the others. It's relationship with Christ. It's relationship with the God who lives in you, with the Holy Spirit, right? And then, um, I love this, uh, it's, uh, he points out that we have a voice, a voice within us. And it is the very Spirit of God. It is Jesus within us that is seeking to guide us. 
And the reality is, and this is, I, this is really important, we get caught in this tension and we are fighting back and forth on this and what Paul is saying is, it's the same problem, just running in different directions. Both of these, both of these, right, are just kitty carts in an amusement park and it's, and it's not the life you were created for. You were created, your call is to be free, right? Uh, one group is just saying, I'm just gonna stay on the track, I'm gonna stay on the track. And this one, I don't know, they're like, they're sneaking the go-kart out in the parking lot of the amusement park at night. I'm, I'm gonna rebel against the law. But in the end, it's both kind of the same thing. And the idea here is, how do we move forward? And so when we think about this idea of this is us, and I had, um, uh, I changed the whole end of my sermon here last night because I broke this out like I would maybe a, a normal sermon. And I know that surprises somebody. I change them all the time on the fly and everything else. But I worked out all of this uh, uh, like application based off of these four things and how to move forward. And then it, it like the thing that hit me, kind of going back to some conversations uh, with the elders uh, earlier this week and uh, one with uh, Ryan and Andy. The, the thing about this series that is so important is to understand and identify those things that are unique about us and how we approach things. And again, not unique like there's no other churches doing this, but unique and like this is, these are, every one of these weeks are hitting different p principles that shape who we are and what we're trying to do as a church. And so I wanna bring the application to just one point, okay? But I'm gonna illustrate it really well, right? Walk through it some here one point that I hope brings it to kind of this unique thing of this is us. It's um, a little bit of uh, what is our agenda every single week with preaching, with teaching, with ministries around here. When it comes to helping people grow spiritually, we're really serious about helping people to walk through this path of accept that they are accepted and then to live out of that acceptance, which gets back to all of this. And here. Here, uh, as I processed this some last night and even prayed about it, it in some ways it comes down to just this uh, one point that I wanna add to this line up here, right? That with grace comes acceptance. And with acceptance uh, comes freedom. But with that freedom, right, there's, it's scary because it's real, right? The possibilities, the upsides and the downsides are real. And to act, and so with acceptance comes this one other thing that we must step into. And, and, and this is who we are as a church, and it's this. Um, it's courage. It's courage. The thing we are seeking to do through our sermons, the thing that we're seeking to do through the environments we create around here, when it comes to your spiritual life, is to create, is to pull out courage. It is to ask you to live with courage because I'll argue this, it takes a lot more courage to live as an accepted follower of Christ and to step out into that freedom, to live out that call listening to his voice than it does to simply fall back on license or law. This doesn't take a lot of courage, but this, this freedom, it does. 
it's a whole different kind of life, right? And I understand. I understand, like, when the guardrails come down and the people that, like, push back on Paul, and it's just like, we, there's no moral compass. Where is it? Like, right? Like, you take down the thing that keeps us safe. And what I want to say is, yes, the guardrails come down, and the dangers become real. But it doesn't mean we don't have a guide. It doesn't mean we, we've got something better than a compass, right? We have this. We have a call and an aim. We have a reality check. We have God himself living in our hearts. This, I want to argue, while it is, it is more dangerous, it is, it is filled with more power than you could ever dream of. I want to illustrate it in this way. Um, so uh, several Christmases ago, uh, my wife uh, and uh, my, uh, my second mom, Carol Ann, I love Carol Ann, right? Um, they got together and they bought my dad and I for Christmas. Um, uh, I don't know what you call it, tickets or they signed us up for what's called a NASCAR experience. Got to go up to PIR and drive real NASCARs, right? One of the best Christmas presents I've ever gotten. I love, right? Um, but I got to tell you, so we drive up there. You get up there like three hours before you uh, even get in the car. And they walk you through all of this stuff. And they want to give you something akin to a real NASCAR uh, experience. So uh, the race cars are real race cars. These are cars that were driven by real drivers uh, in the past. Um, the car I got to drive, this was like a dream come true. Um, because uh, I am a huge fan. He's retired now, and I'm sad about it. It, but I followed Jeff Gordon from his rookie year in NASCAR. He was my, yes, I see those hands. I see, yes, yes. God bless you, right? Uh, uh, I got to drive a NASCAR that Jeff Gordon raced in, right? Um, and they take you into a driver's meeting where you talk through all of this stuff. And so uh, the equivalent of like a crew chief and, you know, the guy that talks to us. And so we're on, there's probably 50 of us uh, for the first session that are going to, you know, over the next three hours get to uh, go uh, out on the track and it's multiple cars out on the track, uh, it, right? I'm all excited. I go in there and he starts talking through all of this stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is serious. Like these cars, uh, I forgot what the horsepower was. Uh, it's like six or 700 horsepower cars. And he's like, you've never driven a car that has the capability of, the, of this car. Starts walking through all this stuff, how to go in and out of these turns and you start figuring out all the ways these cars can crash right including just you know uh, not shifting correctly out of the pits you can spin a car out in these things right and you're like mm, man so he finishes this whole thing after I don't know like 45 minutes and he goes so questions first question hand goes up um, how fast are we allowed to go first question and he goes here's his answer you can go as fast as you want Oh, yeah. Next question. Okay, really, how fast can we go? <laughs> this is serious. This is what happened. So like the next three or four questions, we're all about, so how fast are we allowed? How fast will the cars go? Is there like secretly how fast are we allowed to go? Like, and he finally, and it's like he gets to this uh, point, right? And in fact, is the meeting ended? And that was the question that dominated the Q&A time. How fast can we go? What, what I found uh, hilarious was, uh, is I was kind of up in the front row, and as we got up uh, to all leave, he joked with a few of us on the front, uh, because the very last question was like, okay, but how fast can we go? He goes, um, wait till they get in the car and find out there's no speedometer. <laughs> it wouldn't matter what I told him, right? Yeah. Um, but at one point in the meeting, when he was pressed on this thing, he paused. This is really interesting what he did. He said, listen, 
Listen, you paid a lot of money. You drove, some of you drove a long ways to be here to get in a real NASCAR on a NASCAR track with other NASCARs to experience what that would be like, right? And part of that experience is not following a speed limit. There are no speed limit signs out there. That's not why you came here. So, and he said this, he said, go as fast as you want. And he said, some people get in that car. They feel the horsepower. They get in this thing and the rush of adrenaline and the thrill, and they never get out of first gear. They take first gear and they take all their time and they are just like, right? you know, you do that if you want. If you want, you can go through all of those gears, but here's the thing. What you will find is that there is somebody in your ear because part of a real NASCAR experience is we have hired NASCAR spotters that their career um, most weekends is they're sitting up in a tower and they're a spotter for a professional NASCAR driver. And when you get in your car and fire it up, you're going to hear their voice in your helmet. And what I want you to do is I want you to follow what they're telling you. And there's a little button on your steering wheel. And when you push that button, you get to talk to that spotter. So listen to your spotter and he will talk you through every turn. He'll talk you through every shift if you want. Don't pass anybody unless you've talked about it with your spotter, right? But your aim is go out and have fun and drive as fast as you want. But there's a voice and you should pay attention to it because here's the deal. You will have way more fun if you listen to this voice than if you ignore it. Don't try and pay attention to some speed limit that I'll give you or, you know, think that you can cheat it. You don't even have a speedometer in the car, right? So I climb in the car, right? And as you, and as your time gets closer and closer, like you can feel your heart rate getting faster and faster, you know, and the roar of these cars. And I got in that car um, and talk about grace. You can't even buckle yourself into one of these cars, right? The seat wraps around you and you get in this and I'm trying to, I'm like, I can't buckle it, right? And I'm like, you're in a Hans device that keeps your head from turning. And I'm like, how am I supposed to drive this car? I can't even turn my head. And if I could turn my head, I couldn't see anything because they've got this thing that comes around to protect your, helm, your, your head. And you're sitting down in this thing, right? And it's like, and I fire up this engine. It's like, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Like, what have I gotten myself into in this moment, right? It's like suddenly you begin to feel the horsepower. You begin to feel the potential of like, I really could crash this thing easily, right? And then this voice. Hello, Glenn. You ready to put it in first gear? Okay, right? And I watched as a couple of other cars all killed the engine trying to get it out of first gear. And I'm like, oh, man. And he's like, it's like he read my mind. He's like, and don't worry, if you kill the engine getting it out, we'll just restart it, right? And it's just like, that's right. 
because I'm accepted. I'm in grace. And I just might kill the engine in here, right? I may never get out of first gear. But by golly, I'm going to try, right? Because that's why I'm here. And when I got out on that track, right, and that spotter started talking me through those gears and all the things that the guy diagrammed on the track, you know, you're just like, oh my goodness. And I remember uh, after the first or second lap and kind of got up uh, to speed through all the gears and I go into the first corner, you know, and, you know, right when he, as he's describing hitting all my marks, and I go into that first corner, and I mean the, the G-force you feel is, uh, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. You know, go around the corner, it's like, your whole thing. Like, you're like, now I know I'm strapped into this thing. And I'm thinking, I'm on, I'm on the ragged edge of this thing just breaking loose and spinning out. And uh, they had these professional drivers giving other people rides, exact same kind of cars as we had, only uh, the guy said they go slower because they have to have extra roll bars and all that stuff. That professional driver blew by me like I was standing still. I was like, oh, wow. These do go faster, you know. And he's like, get around the next turn. He goes, okay, you can go faster through those turns if you want to. And I'm thinking, there's no way you could go faster through these things. And he says, okay, so if you want to. And I'm like, okay, I want to, right? And he described and went in that thing and all of a sudden it's like the thing I really wanted to do, I could have never done myself, right? It was that voice that was describing the potential because he knew what I didn't know. And friends, when it comes to our spiritual growth, this is us. What we're not trying to do, what we're not ever trying to do is walk people away from like, um, we want to terrify you about license and we're going to give you, you know, we'll, we'll Jesus it up a bunch, but we're going to give you some law because that's the equivalent of saying, you know what, when it comes to your spiritual maturity, why don't you get in a really nice, safe go-kart, right? And you go out and drive that in your spiritual life. But here's the thing, starting from Genesis all the way through Revelation. There's no place that ever describes you in, in the beauty of who God created and made you to be what he's called you to be that has any resemblance to a one and a half horsepower go-kart. In a spiritual sense, you're like a 500 horsepower NASCAR. And yes, it's dangerous. And yes, it's fraught with things, right? That's scary but you're not alone. You're not leading a guideless life towards spiritual maturity. You may not have the law, but you have a call and you have an aim. You have someone that'll give you a reality check and that voice, that is Christ himself living in you. And we wanna be the church that is breaking us back again and again and again to live out the full potential of what is before us in this. And there'll be times where you say, I don't know, maybe I get that voice wrong, right? Sometimes we hear voices go in different directions. Here's the beauty of what Paul walks through. Okay, maybe some confusion about this, but you have a clear aim. How do you move forward in love? Because this, this is the kind of home, the kind of environment that we want to be. And so before I close, I wanna just invite you to just ponder the life that you wanna live and that you wanna lead others to live.